Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, and I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And I am super excited to have all of you guys listening today because, uh, for a couple of reasons, actually. The first one is, I I truly believe that God has placed you uh, at this moment, this time, to listen to this podcast for a reason and a purpose. And, And it's always my prayers that that will be shown to you today. The other reason is because we're starting a brand new series called I Want to Believe, But. And, and so what I want to do is kind of tell you the story uh, behind this this new series. And, and, and here what I want to share with you is exactly what we're going to go over for the next four weeks. Because I know uh, many of you will think of somebody that, hey, this person uh, is in exactly this place or in this situation or very close to this. And it would be amazing if you could introduce them uh, to one of these particular weeks podcasts so they can listen in and share with them. Okay. The theme I want to believe in God, but is something that I've been noticing for the past couple of years. Okay. It's a, it's a changing mindset. For example, a few years back, the majority of people would have said, you know, I believe in God. And as time has been going on, I think many of you would notice that there are a lot of people who are saying, I don't really believe in God. And I'm seeing more and more people today who are wanting to believe, would like to believe, but there is some ceiling, some hurdle that's keeping them from believing. Now, there are also a lot of people that say, you know what, no way, God doesn't exist, that's just stupid. Uh, even those who have grown up in church, who, who maybe grew up in believing, but they had a crisis of faith somewhere, something happened, someone did something, they were hurt or they were disappointed, and they say, you know what, I want to believe, but I just can't believe. And I would argue that so many people that live in that zone, they are not really rejecting the true God, okay? Let me say that again. There, there are so many people that are saying, you know, I can't believe, they're not really rejecting that the God that we're going to look at, okay, the God of Scripture. Instead, they're rejecting what I would call a distorted view of God. They're rejecting a distorted view of who they, who they wrongly think God is. For example, okay, uh, let me just kind of tell you where we're going to be going, okay? Uh, let's see. Week, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, what I call killjoy God. And I were, so I would love to believe in God, but I'm not following all those rules. I mean, there's just so many rules. And besides there's only four, you know, there's only boring people and, and I want to have fun and, and that whole no sex before marriage thing. Forget that. I, I want to have some fun. Okay. I want to believe in God, but there's all these different reasons. Okay. And then week, uh, number three, we're going to talk about what I call a goosebump God. This would be for the people who say, I want to believe in God, but I just don't feel him. I tried to read the Bible. I didn't feel anything. I came to church. I didn't feel anything. How do you believe in a God that you cannot see, you know, and can't really hear and you can't feel him anyway? That's the goosebump God. I want to believe in God, but I don't feel him. And then the final week, we're going to talk about what I call heartless God. I would love to believe in God, but have you, have you seen all the horrible things going on in this world? 
How can I believe in a God who will allow shootings where innocent people die in a school? How can I believe in a God that lets hungry children all over the world die when something simple could actually help them to live? You know, I prayed for something and the worst thing happened. How can I believe in a God that doesn't seem to care? But before I introduce you to the main theme for our study today, I want to kind of just have fun with you guys a little bit, okay? Because I like to have fun when it comes to church and it comes to these podcasts, okay? And what I want to do is I want to, to play to my, my 14-year-old older friends, okay? Those of you that are listening that are 40 years or older, okay? I'm going to go over some television shows that most likely, if you're kind of in my age range, okay, you might remember, for those of you that love Snapchat or you're anything that belongs to that kind of thing, I'm sorry you have no idea what I'm about to talk about on these shows, okay? But just work with me and we'll get back to you guys in a couple of minutes. So let's just kind of dive in. I'm going to group these shows, okay? There are often two shows that, that came on back-to-back that were really popular back in the day, okay? Um, some of you might remember Love Boat and Fantasy Island, right? The plane, the plane, right? Or how about Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley? You guys remember those? Okay. There are no two shows that went better together than these two I'm about to mention. That is The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. Okay. That was Lee Majors and Lindsay Wagner, right? Then this one, it doesn't have a parallel that I'm about to mention. This one didn't need a parallel. Okay. This kind of tends to lean towards the guys. Okay. You guys listening? Here's what it means. Here's what I'm talking about. You remember this show? Charlie's Angels, right? Okay. You know, I had to sneak to watch Charlie's Angels. You know, this was the predecessor to the much later Baywatch, which was a, on a whole nother level. You know, I never saw Baywatch. I read the book, I think, or something. But anyway, <laughs> uh, no, I never, I really honestly have never seen Baywatch. I know it's crazy to some of you, but I uh, just had no desire to see it. But anyway, but if you know the shows that I'm talking about, okay, you will know exactly what I'm about to tell you. If you were going to watch Happy Days, or if you were going to watch Dallas, or if you were going to watch Mork and Mindy, whatever your show was, some of you listening, this is going to freak you out probably, and you're like, what? what is Dan talking about? Okay, Well, you actually had to be in front of the TV at the exact time the show came on. Okay, Do you remember that? And I know a lot of you may be listening or going, I don't even understand what you're talking about. But if it came on at Friday night at 7 o'clock, you had to be there Friday night at 7 o'clock or it was gone, okay? It was over, never to be seen again. And you actually had to watch the commercials unless you kind of did what I did and just snuck off and got some snacks every time the commercial came or whatever. Otherwise, you had to sit there. There was no getting through them whatsoever. They had to still play. And obviously, we live in a different world today, right? And I would ask, how many of you binge-watched a show this week on Netflix or some other you know, platform like Hulu or something where you can watch your five favorite episodes of Law & Order or Criminal Minds or, or whatever it is that you want to watch? We live in, uh, now in what some are calling the on-demand generation. So here's my thought process with this because everything we want now is on-demand. Get it to me in two days or less, you know. I even want Amazon uh, one-day delivery. It's not here yet in our area, but it's going to be, and I'm, I'm really excited about that, you know, because everything is on demand. And I believe that there are many people that want an on-demand God. You know, I prayed about it. God didn't do it. Therefore, I don't believe in God. God should do exactly what I want. 
on-demand God, it is great until on-demand God doesn't do what you ask him to do on-demand. And this may be your story. You might have a you might have been a teenager praying and begging for God to save your parents' message, uh, marriage. I'm sorry, a uh, marriage, and you believed He would, and it didn't happen. And you're like, "Where are you, God?" You know, you might be the person that you're giving uh, that you're giving to others, right? And, and you're doing good works, and you're still struggling financially. And you're like, "What's up with that, God?" You might be the one in your life group where you prayed and prayed and prayed for somebody, believing that God would heal them, and they weren't healed. And you're asking, again, what's up with that, God? You know? Um, you may be happily married, and your, your dream is to have a kid. And there are tons of people who get pregnant and, and don't want to get pregnant. And, and you want to get pregnant, and you can't. God, where are you in this? So often when God doesn't do what we think that he should do, know that he could do, a lot of people get frustrated and decide God must either not be real or isn't powerful or isn't good or doesn't care. Where is my on-demand God? The answer is on-demand God does not exist. Okay, Let me say that again. On-demand God does not exist. A very common thought that I hear over and over again in conversations I'll have with people as a pastor is, I want to believe in God, but I prayed that he'd get rid of my depression, and it didn't happen, so I can't believe in God. I want to believe in God, but he didn't save my marriage, so I can't believe in God. Or I want to believe in God, but he didn't do exactly what I wanted him to do, so either he's not real, he's not there, he's not good, or he doesn't care. You see, on-demand God does not exist. What we have to do is we have to make sure that we understand where we fit in this whole of the narrative, okay? The bigger picture, the grand story of God, creation and eternity. So if you're kind of taking notes or a mental picture of this, I'm, I'm going to make it really simple, and that is this. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him, okay? Let me say that again, too. God does not exist to do whatever we want, okay, whenever we want him to do it. He may answer prayers, but his highest calling is not to do what we think he should do. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. And we have to recognize this as well. If you're reading the Bible, which I hope you are, we are not the main character of the Bible. God is the main character of the Bible. God is not our celestial sugar daddy who gives us what we want, okay? He's not the cosmic genie in the lamp that you rub on just right and then you get three wishes, okay? He's, he's also not the cosmic Coke machine where you pray your prayer, you give your tithe, you push the button, and out comes your answered prayer. God is the creator, and we are the created. God is the potter, and we are the clay in which he forms. He is the Lord of all, and we are his servants, we need to understand on-demand God does not exist. He does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. Okay, now that we've got that established, some of you might be saying, well, but then what's his role? Who is he? You know, what does he do exactly in my life? And what I want to do is kind of unpack who he is. And, and that's really my secret goal of this series is to help us get to know him better by recognizing who he's not. And again, I believe with all my heart that, that people all over the world today are not rejecting who God really is. They're rejecting a distorted view, an inaccurate view of God. On-demand God, where is he? He doesn't exist. 
So I want to talk about three qualities of the heart of God, okay? If God is not an on-demand God, then who is he? That's our question, right? Well, the first one, if you're, if you're kind of taking mental notes, God's heart is always loving, okay? His heart is always loving. For example, those of you who are parents, those that are listening that are parents, um, I'm going to tell you two things that I know about you if you're a parent, okay? Number one, there's never a time when you don't love your children, right? There are times when you don't like them, and there are times when you want to trade them in, okay? Then there are times you might want to knock them into the middle of next week, but you wouldn't do that because you're better than that. You always love them, right? The second thing I know about you is this, that there are times when you do not do what they want you to do, even though you have the power to do it, right? You always love them, but there are times when you do not do what they want you to do, even if you have the power to do it. You know you'll tell them something on the lines of this, hey, don't forget your lunch today, okay? And, and then they forget their lunch, right? And so the next day, hey, don't forget your lunch, and then they forget your lunch. And every time they're calling you, hey, mom, dad, bring me my lunch. You know, I forgot my lunch, okay? And finally, about the third or fourth time when they say, hey, uh, mom, dad, I forgot my lunch, you're going to say, sorry, dude, <laughs> no lunch coming to you today. Why? It's not because you want to punish them. It's because you're doing something in them, okay? Another example is maybe you have to remind them, do your homework. You know, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. And it's got to go every day, right? And then finally, it's, it happens with my son. I know it did when he was, he was growing up and doing his homework is you would tell them all day long, hey, get your homework done, get your homework done. And, and he would come to me later and say, hey, Dad, can you help me do my homework? And I'd look, and it would be like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, son, you should have done your homework when I told you to do your homework. So, no, I'm not going to help you. You're on your own tonight. It's not because I don't have the power, and it's not because I don't love him. It's actually because I love him that I'm not always going to do exactly what he wants. And sometimes I have to try to, to develop something in him rather than doing something uh, for him, right? And you always love them, but you don't always do what they want. We need to understand that when God doesn't do exactly what we want, even if we know, if we know he could and believe he should, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. He's always loving He's always at our, has our best interest at heart. In fact, uh, look at this, let's look at what Paul says in Romans. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Listen to what he says. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Okay, now I want to pause there because I want to update this a little bit to what we're dealing with now because Chances are pretty good most of you who are listening will not be naked this week with in front of a sword in your face, okay? It's just not going to happen that way. Now, if it does, that'd be a very interesting story that you'd have to share with me sometime. But that's a different, I digress, that's a different time, okay? <laughs> but let's just kind of update uh, uh, to it kind of where we live today, okay? Who shall separate you, right? What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall financial trouble or relational breakdowns? Shall unemployment cancer shall depression we can all and we can answer it all those in, in this way let's read on in verse 37 through 39 okay here's what it says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height 
nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's heart is always loving. We need to understand that God doesn't prove his love when he answers our prayers, okay? God proved his love when he sent his son, okay? Let me say that again. He didn't prove it when he does what we want, okay? God proves his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's heart is always loving. There's never a time he doesn't love you, but he will not always do what we think he should do. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? In all these things, we are more than conquerors, okay? Nothing could ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. His heart is always loving. The second big thought about God, if if he's not an on-demand God, who is he? If you're mentally taking notes, His ways are always higher. Okay, that's the second one. His ways are always higher than our ways. I need to just kind of unpack this uh, this for a moment because as a pastor, there are so many different times when somebody will say, hey, why did this happen? Explain this to me. I got to tell you, when I don't understand something, I got to tell you, I don't fake it. Okay. I never ever try to pull something out of the hat or, or make something up and give you an explanation because truthfully, there are so many different times where it would be wrong and even dangerous for me to try to explain what God was thinking. There are so many things that are above my pay grade where I take faith in God over my wisdom and my limited ability to understand. For example, a, a child is born handicapped. Why did this happen? You know what? I don't know. I've got no explanation whatsoever. Or a really good person is struck down in the middle of life. You know, a great person. You know the person, the drunk driver lives and the good person dies, right? Why did that happen? Don't know. Don't understand it. A natural disaster or some kind of terrorist terrorist attack. Why them and why not someone else? Again, I, I don't understand. And there are so many things I wouldn't even attempt to describe. But what I will do is I will embrace Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, when God says this. He said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, I take comfort to recognize that God is wiser than I am, that he is already in tomorrow. Time doesn't hold him. He is a sovereign good God working in all things to bring about good. That God has the end in mind, that he is using even the things that I don't want to conform me to the image of his son, that that his ways, his knowledge, his power goes well beyond the limited understanding that my finite mind has. He is infinite and glorious in all his ways, and, and I don't have to understand everything to trust his heart, his character, his nature, and his goodness. His ways are higher. His ways are different. And oftentimes you'll, you'll recognize, even when you don't understand it at that moment, years later, you'll look back and you say, oh, now I see why that path actually took me to a better place. Here's the thing. Some of you, you're going to go through something that of that right now, or you are going through something like that right now, and you're going, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't understand it. Well, God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You thought things were going well, right? And I'll give you an example. You thought, well, you know, my boyfriend's awesome, right? And then he ghosts you. He dumps you. And you're like, it's the worst thing ever. But you have no idea. 
that he was just an okay boyfriend, and you got an awesome boyfriend coming up one day. You're going to be buying a house, and, and you didn't get the house. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I wanted that house, and I just don't understand why we didn't get it. And then later on, you find a better one at a better deal, and you say, oh, now I see. It may be that it's just a different, it's just different than what you expected, right? And what about the child that was born? Your first one was healthy, and the second one wasn't healthy, and you don't understand. Seven years later, you recognize we could have never been blessed with a more amazing blessing than this second child who has brought so much joy into our lives in ways that we never understood. When the tragic death comes, you would never wish it on anybody, and you still think it was unfair and untimely, but years go by, and you look back and you say, look what God did through that. Look how he used it. See, eternity, eternity will be different because of something that I didn't understand. Here's what we have to understand, though. On-demand God does not exist. Whenever we want him and you do blah, 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 whatever it might be, okay? No, God doesn't do what we want. He doesn't exist for us. We exist to serve him. And as we serve him with all of our hearts, we can know and be assured that, that his ways are always loving, that his heart is always for us. His ways are always higher than our ways, all right? The third thought that I hope you'll embrace and, and understand is, and this is um, if you're taking mental notes, is God's presence is always enough. God's presence is always enough. There comes a time, and let me just make you a promise Okay, maybe you're not a, a yet a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're a relatively new follower of Jesus. If you'll go beyond what I'd call complacent Christianity, where you kind of go to church when you can, okay, if you will truly pursue the goodness of God, if you'll truly pursue him, you will get to know his character. You will get to know his nature in such a way that years from now, you'll have the deepest assurance. He is your rock, and you'll be able to say, I don't even have to worry what will happen to me because my God is with me. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen to me. Why? Because I know he's good, because he never leaves me, because he'll never forsake me, because he is with me. This is the posture of a guy in the Old Testament who became king, King David. When, when he talked about the intimacy of trusting God, when things don't make sense. And for a moment, if you think, oh yeah, well, King David, everything was easy for him. No, okay, this, this dude cried out to God more than any three of us who's listening put together. Why are, why are you allowing this, he would ask. Why am I on the run? Where are you, God? Why are you letting my enemies do this to me? This doesn't seem fair. God, I've done everything right. He had more dark valleys than most of us will ever know about. Yet as he grew to know the faithfulness of, of God, here's what David said in Psalm 23, 4. Some of you might have this memorized, but others may be new to you. Here's what it says. Listen to this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He said, even if I walk through the place where I could die in a heartbeat, even though I walk through the place where there's no physical nourishment, even though there's robbers and people on the attack, even though I walk through the darkest point of my life, I don't have to be afraid, God. Why? Because you're here. Okay? You're here because your presence is enough. Sometimes I believe, I truly believe this, that things go dark. In this world, there's, there's it's some of the world's, is, in the world is in the, some of the darkest points in, in my lifetime that I can remember right now. And I believe that sometimes things have to go dark so that we have to seek the light. 
Sometimes in the valleys, you experience the presence of God better than you do on the mountaintops. You start to understand the faithfulness of God in the valleys and not just the power of God on the mountaintops. Sometimes I'm convinced as well as in this as well too, until God is all that you have, you'll never even realize God is all you need. God, where are you? Why didn't you do what I wanted? I knew you could, but you didn't. Where are you, God? See, God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. We exist to bring glory to him. And when you don't understand, trust his heart. My God is way too powerful. My God is way too strong. My God is way too sovereign. And he is way too good to be a puppet for man. My God is the creator and sustainer of the universe. He is the one who knows the end from the beginning. God is the one who created us with a purpose to draw us us to himself, that we might exist to bring glory to him. When something doesn't go as we plan, we trust he is conforming us. He's changing us. He's drawing us. He's making us more like his son, Jesus. When you don't understand, God, why didn't you? You could have. Remember, on demand, God doesn't exist. If you're rejecting that God, you're rejecting the false view of who God is. Because the true God, his heart is always loving. His ways are always higher, no matter what you're going through, even in this moment. His presence, which is here now, his presence is always enough. Amen. I want to thank you again for joining us for another Venture Podcast. I hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our series on I Want to Believe, But. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.